Hello, I'm Barbara Ann Garcia. I'm the host of Healthcare Untold. Today, we have the greatest honor to be with Doña Ophelia Esparza and Rosana Esparza Aarons. Ophelia is a native of East Los Angeles, a mother of nine, an esteemed and beloved master artist and educator. Ophelia is also a National Endowment of the Arts Fellow and the Master Altar Maker for the Dia de los Muertos at Self-Health Graphics and Arts. Rosana Esparza Aarons is Doña Ophelia's fifth child and an artist and graphic designer. She's also an altar maker and organizer on their many programs and services offered through their own art studio. Ophelia and Rosana, welcome to Healthcare Untold. I really thank want you for inviting us. Yes. I really want to thank both of you for your time today. And I know both of you are extremely busy with the 47th annual Dia de los Muertos. And for the listening audience, uh, Dia de los Muertos are historical days of prayers and remembrance for family and friends who have died. And today, these celebrations have become so important in so many communities due to the influence of artistas like Ofelia and Rosana. Um, and it's going to be a different event this year with being virtual due to COVID-19. Can you share your plans for this year's Dia de los Muertos? Uh, well, I can share that. Um, my we, we have a history of making public altars and uh, different venues, most especially at Self-Help Graphics, um, at Grand Park uh, in the last 10 years. And we, we're still going to do that, but it's, it's shifting out to a, a virtual um, presentation and uh, coming together is going to be virtual, like on Zoom and, and other ways. Uh, but we've been doing a lot of presentations where we're getting together with groups of people on Zoom and sharing uh, from a slideshow of all the altars that we've done and coming together and and discussing about what it what it means to uh, build an altar and what what the intention is and talking about the ancestors uh, which my mom will talk about but uh, these virtual uh, gatherings are have been really beautiful because people are able to have conversations to ask questions and and then we we kind of go down a road and then we come up and go down another road with stories of you know the different families that are represented there um, the the other cool thing is that with self-help graphics we also created we did something fun with Day of the Dead. We created these filters. You know those filters mm -hmm. on Instagram where you're able to put the bunny ears oh, and all yeah, that? Yeah. <laughs> so now there's an ofrenda with papel picado floating around and the ofrenda with oh, mariposas floating around. There's another one um, with the actual hummingbird. It, it, it's it's a, a 3D sculpture in virtual reality. <laughs> or augmented reality, but it's inspired by, you know, my mom's hummingbird. And the other one is the Virgencita with the votive and the velas that you can place anywhere and get in the picture with the, with the, the ofrenda. So 
that that's been fun. Yeah, that has really taken you know another dimension, literally, right? Yeah. Yeah. And how do people participate this year? How can the uh, uh, general public participate? Well, at Self Help Graphics, I believe they're receiving photographs uh, from the community. So people are submitting a photograph with uh, a little story like the the name of the person, the day they were born, the day they passed on, and maybe a couple sentences about um, about them, like grandma, you know, something that's a tribute to them. And if I'm not mistaken, they're going to project it or put it on the website with uh, this rolling um, visual tribute tribute on the website with a with an adornment of day of the dead so i think that's how it's working um at least that's what we talked about uh the other way people have contributed up north in oregon um with the women who rock group it's a women who walk who rock.org we made a virtual ofrenda with them, and people submitted ofrendas, uh, it's poetry or music, by filming themselves or telling a story or cooking some food, like how to make uh, buñuelos or how to, you know, making some pandus and, and filming themselves with their ancestor in front of the ofrenda. And all of those uh ofrendas are part of the website so they just pop up and then they go down and then another one comes in it could be somebody dancing or somebody telling a story and so it's this virtual experience of ofrendas and it's womenwhorock.org very good well yeah it just seems like you've taken the the way of we're, we're communicating, or as uh, one of my comadres says, we're Zoom Zooming all the time, um, <laughs> right? And, and really have taken that to another level. And uh, as always, yeah. artistas take it and move with it and be, uh, become mm-hmm. art and make it artist, uh, make the artist uh, art so beautiful. Um, so anything uh, else that you want to share with the uh, listening audience of the event at uh, uh, health, Self-Help Graphics? Um, well, the- Go ahead, Mom. There's also workshops that uh, traditionally several graphics has workshops at the site uh, the week before the celebration of uh, on November 2nd. But now they have uh, virtual workshops and all the different elements that are being used uh, uh, for the altar. I'm not sure how they're going to uh, you know, put on the altar. We're actually building a, a, a physical altar at Grand Park at Civic Center. And so that part, I'm not sure of the logistics, but I'm amazed at all the creative ways that people have come up with celebrating. In fact, it's, it's become, I see this a very personal uh, participation. Um, and uh, I, Hopefully that this continues in, in a small way apart from the actual celebrations in the future because it brings people in and it 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 
they become part of the ofrenda. And I, I really think that's so beautiful and important too. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I wonder, um, um, Doña Felia, can you tell us about how you started? And um, and I know that your mother very it was a great influence and um, also um, the, the nun that worked at um, Self-Help Graphics. Can yes. you give us some of that history? Well, when I came on to Self-Help Graphics in 1979, uh, Self-Help Graphics at that time was situated two blocks from my home here in East L.A., and uh, I saw a sign outside the window that said, uh, artists needed for the uh, workshops for Day of the Dead. And uh, I, so I went in and I met Sister Karen and she said, well, we need people for different workshops ongoing on Saturdays. And she said, do you know something about Day of the Dead? I said, oh, yes, my mother has always practiced it. And so, okay, then you come, you're part of this. So she, it was all volunteer. And the reason that I could say that was that my mother celebrated the other Muertos, but in a very small, personal way, not at all like today. At home, um, my mother was an altar maker, and she had the ones that I remember the most are the four altars during the year, one of which was the other Muertos, but the most spectacular and the work that was took a lot of time and work with the nacimientos and uh, when I was a child I would watch her watch her and, and admire and con- take part in the nacimiento but as I grew I became you know her helper and I would contribute things uh in decorations she made everything all the decorations by by hand with paper and she had lots of figurines and different layers. And many homes had nacimientos. And for my mother, it was the most, uh, it was very elaborate. And the neighbors came. And uh, by the time it was an adult, uh, she had, uh, you know, her annual nacimiento at the window of her living room, of her dining room. And people would come, the neighbors. We always had a ceremony of levantamiento with food and prayers. And then for the other altars during the year, it was our lady of Guadalupe. My mother was Guadalupe, so she was, Guadalupe was, uh, or our lady of Guadalupe was la mera mera in her home. Everything she did, everything she invoked was uh, blessing us or any endeavor she took, she invoked our lady of Guadalupe. And so that was a very special day. In our community, there was always this uh, procession uh, for a lady Guadalupe that has been going on for over 80 years. And so that was part of our, our activity for that time. And, and then the, the other one was for Easter, Saturday, Sábado de Gloria. And that was beautiful for me because it was all dressed in white, white flowers from my mother's garden. And it was you know, celebrating the 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 vision of Jesus. And then for Day of the Dead, it was something very small, but it's the one that has made the most impact on me, on me all these years. Uh, she had a little drapisa or a mantle. She had the photographs everywhere, but she would have uh, embellished this 
gathering of this kind of photographs and add flowers from her garden mostly. And and then the, the besides that, uh, uh, prayers and then the stories about each one. And the main the main uh, story was about her mama Pola. Well, our mama Pola. It was her great grandmother who raised her, and she was the one who taught my mother about the cooking, about the celebrations, about the altars, about the paper uh, decorations, about the flower making, about the making the morning. <laughs> So my Mama Pola was part of our our history, our household. My mother talked about her almost every day, like I talk about my mother almost every day. Okay. And during this time of the other Muertos, we would she and my aunt who was lived right next door, and they were from Wanimaro. Wanimaro is a small town in Guanajuato where my mother came from, which is right on the border of Michoacan. <clears throat> They would make the food, gather flowers from the garden, and then we would walk to the cemetery. East LA has uh, six cemeteries in, in its in, in within the the east side of Los Angeles, East Los Angeles. I imagine because it was the outskirts back in the 1800s, and the oldest uh, Catholic cemetery is nearby. Uh, it's called El Calvario. And so we would walk there with my cousins, and then when we got there, we would go to a grave site. I didn't know who the who was buried there. It was not someone who was a close relative at that time. And uh, I was born in 1932 in the 30s. It was a friend or a paisano or somebody related, or who had come from their their village in Guanajuato. My cousins and I would would go. Play, waiting for to, to be called to the gravesite, and we would uh, jump the gravestones and we admonished never step on a grave on a grave headstone. That's right. And 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 then so they would call us and they had my aunt and my mother had decorated the headstone with uh, with pebbles, little rocks they gathered, and the flowers from her garden, and the food was spread out. Uh, around it or near it, and then we would, as we ate, my mother and my aunt, especially my mother. My mother was a great storyteller, carried on the oral tradition of our family and of her village too. The person there was not, as I said, a relative, a close relative, but it was the man who had helped my grandfather, uh, uh, who prepared the pottery, or who had helped. Uh, who, who sold uh, the goods in the store or in the street or the woman who had helped sold something. But the stories all generated and always came back to my, our ancestors about Namapola, about our great-great-grandfather. And so the stories were repeated every year during this time. But not only during Dia de Muertos, but during the Nacimientos, during the, the all the other celebrations, they were mostly uh, family celebrations or you know the religious uh, uh, celebrations through the church. But the stories are the ones that have carried on all this connection to building altars. And so that was my background as a child. And then as I grew up, like I said, the, the main uh, 
work that I did with with Alessimientos, and Dia de Bet was was the day of, of just remembering and and retelling the stories and. My mother would talk about who's in that photograph, but the main one was Mama Pola, always had the prominent place. Mm-hmm. And so I knew her almost intimately, although I had never met her, just in my mother's stories. And that, I think that is the main focus for me and for all the altars that we do, and that's the story that I pass on to people. It's a time to remember our loved ones. We are part of them, and they are always with us. They never leave us. Uh, they are part of our history, and I hope that it's passed on to the next generation, because their story must must continue. And as long as we remember them, they will always live in our hearts and in our memories. And so that was my background when I came into self-help graphics, and uh, uh, we never had big celebrations, like I said, and most families didn't if they if they observed it at all. Most it was observed through the church and. November 1st and 2nd, you know, through the All Souls and All Saints days. But at home, it was the, my mother carried that tradition from Mexico as, in a very small way, but it was all, it was there. She, she, my brother would say that she, se vino, pero se trajo su tierra. Mm-hmm. She came to this country, but she brought all her customs, all her, her, her land, her homeland with her, and that's what she was known for. <laughs> and so that's, she has been the greatest influence for all the, not only in, in, for Day of the Dead, but in many of the culture, all the cultural and many, much of the artwork that I do, the big influence on that background that I'm so fortunate to have had. <laughs> That's a beautiful background. Uh, That's a beautiful background, Ophelia. And, you know, will you uh, talk a little bit about the Altares de Nacimiento and what those mean? Uh, I always, I mentioned the Nacimiento because I don't know if you've seen any images of our altars, especially the large monumental altars that we do in the public spaces now. But even at self-help graphics, uh, uh, the because it was a large space and a large piece, I always pictured the the nacimientos my mother made. It had many tiers of many, many objects with lots of little vignettes that stand by themselves as a little a scene of some kind. And of course, Mexican nacimientos, my brother would say, has everything but the kitchen sink. My mother's nacimiento had toys, my my children's toys by the time I was married. Mm-hmm. Uh, objects she brought from Mexico. Uh, the ones that my children love and remember when they were a child, they even had a Godzilla in the mouth of a ceramic crocodile that she had brought from Guanajuato. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, a, a soldier standing on top of a, a, a house. Or, I mean, it was my mother's imagination was wonderful and whimsical too. And so when my children would add things to the nacimiento, it would be a toy or an orange or something. And she would find a place for it. Mm-hmm. But it was her nacimiento. If I had an idea of how it should look, she said, uh-uh. Yo me mora, entonces es tu nacimiento. And she would, if she had her own idea of how it was, I contributed to it. Uh, Artistically, I, I, I painted a backdrop for for it, and it was a, a like a small mural 
that it wasn't Bethlehem, it was a uh, it was Mexico, some place in Mexico that I would get from a book or or just from her little vignette stories about Guanimano. <laughs> and so all my life I I been involved in creating and in uh, cultural uh, investigation and practices and I it's such a I'm so grateful that my mother was such a uh, creative and spiritual and Mexicana and Indigena. It was just part of our household and this ambience of of her family, of her family and her remembrances. And so of course that's 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 the influence that I've had, not only as an artist but as a teacher and with any of the things that I want to learn about. I'm always learning there's never and I always want to say to people, I'm not the expert on life bodies. I've just been doing them so many years and I put forth what I've learned and my vision of of remembrance. All it, it all involves the art part too because for us my daughters are artists themselves and they're I have nine children. They're all making altars, uh, actively at, at least seven of them. And uh, that makes me so happy because one of my mother's legacies and what she really wanted me to carry on was to remember our ancestors. The altars were secondary as far as the, how about remembering, but of course they were part of it. But that part that we are remembering and honoring and passing it down to the next generation is what's so important. That's the legacy for everyone uh, to celebrate the other muertos, yes. Well, and that is why you're a national treasure, Ophelia. And um, we're so, as a Chicana, I'm so proud of you and the work that you've done <laughs> for the community. And you've timed it by seven with your children. So it will carry on. Um, and um, so I'm so proud of the work that you've done. And I know the community is so proud of you. And uh, I know that you do more than just the Dia de los Muertos. And uh, if there's um, any other comments you would like to make, Doña Ophelia, about your work uh, on, on for Dia de los Muertos, and then I'd like to know more about the, the work that you do at, in your art studio as well. Uh, well, Tosana and I uh, are partners, and in, in we own a, a small gallery. It's called Tonari, Tonari Studio, and we call it a place of creative wellness and it's for culture and art and the community uh, and we also have a, a small boutique that helps sustain it it's called Corridri Boutique and I've, you know being a teacher and an artist I have gathered so much stuff <laughs> people ask me where do you keep it all well some of for the altars well some things are are kept you know but the altars, the ofrendas are ephemeral. They're, they're, I say they're like our own lives. The ofrenda, you know, the paper flowers, uh, the papel picado, the flowers, the fresh flowers, the incense, all are, you know, they're, they wilt, they, they dry, they, they, you know, desiccate, they, the paper, you know, just fades, just like our own life. It's representative like the old, Poet, Mexica uh, poet said, it's, they're like our, our life is, is here temporarily. 
And I, I think that perhaps they also meant that the beauty of uh, the beauty in our lives should be uh, life well lived of of love and and uh, caring. And so it's reflected in the agendas that it has for me and my children now. It has to be colorful, has lots of that it's beautiful as well as spiritual and that memorable and that our ancestors will be very happy that we put that much time and and thought into honoring them and well to welcome them to visit us uh, these days. <laughs> uh, besides, well, I've been a, 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 I was an elementary school teacher. I retired over to 1999. 99, I guess it's uh, 20 years ago or so. And um, so I taught my students, my children, I, it was a bilingual classroom my whole career in my own neighborhood and, uh, of East LA, City Terrace, which is part of East LA, uh, a neighborhood in East LA. So my students were all Spanish speaking. It was a bilingual classroom. And one of the important things that I felt they needed to to learn as a child was about their own heritage, their own, to be proud of their cultural uh, roots, and especially of their own parents, and to learn about them and to um, to recognize that we had many contributions to this country, that we belong here, and that we have that that we should benefit from all the rights of being uh, an American citizen or a person who lived here and became a citizen. Uh, and just the, our own history within this country that we have made contributions. Because when I was a child, we were punished for being Mexican. I, I'd say now for being Mexican. And it's not very much different from what I'm seeing today. We were admonished and, and, and actually hit on the hand with a ruler hard sometimes for speaking Spanish in the yard during recess time, during our game, singing in Spanish, which was what a remarkable thing to do to a child, to its, its, its psyche. And no wonder many people of my generation in the 30s, and maybe uh, later on, who were, didn't want to be uh, acknowledged they were Mexican, and if you could pass for white, right. they preferred to be called that. Right. Anyway. Well, that's so beautiful, and um, you know, you're such a contributor to the uh, Chicano uh, history and the future of our communities. And I wondered, Rosana, if you could tell us more. I, um, when we spoke off um, line, um, you were talking about the many of the wellness programs that you were doing, yoga, and the work that you were doing with uh, the prison system. I wondered if you could share with the listening audience uh, about those programming. Yeah. So. Um I'll start with the studio. Donali Studio is a place of creative wellness. That's a, the place that we created. And we what our intention there was to uh, make a space where people felt free to express. And, you know, we brought in other modalities like, you know, meditation and yoga and all that. But it really became a space where um, we gathered as poets, as storytellers, as musicians, as artists uh, to 
to share and witness each other. And, and so that's really become a beautiful part of Bonali Studio. But the other half of that is our relationship with the uh, Alliance for California Traditional Arts that celebrates that and and is really uh, intended to to share with the world what traditional arts look like in, in California through all the ethnic groups that, that live here. So we're, you know, we're looking at the Native American groups and the uh, people that are here from, from Lebanon or uh, Palestine and Japan, you know, from all over the world. And so all of those traditional arts are celebrated. And one key thing is bringing it into the prison systems. It's, it's called arts in corrections. So our personal experience in that work is with the uh, California Institute for Women in Chino. And our class is called Visual Poetry. And so it there, it creates a curiosity, like what's visual poetry? And uh, some people come in because they want to write poetry and others are just curious about how it's visual. But what we do in that space is create a safe and sacred space by using a sensory ceremony we call arrival. We have an arrival ceremony where we welcome each other into the space. We use uh, stage bundles. We don't burn them. We can't burn them in, on, in the prison. But we stand in a circle. We breathe and just get ourselves to arrive to this moment, to recognize our breath. And, and we pass the stage bundle. And that really is like, I, you know, I'm here in my body. I'm feeling the sensation of the sage and breathing it into ourselves. And, and you know, we have our eyes closed and we're just saying thank you for this moment and thanking mm-hmm. each other. And, and we know each other's name. And so the space and that time of arrival is, is sacred. And so they, the, the women understand that we're in a sacred circle and that this circle is safe. And from there, we, the, the, it's a 13-week um, session, and we, we're there once a week. And it really is a journey of retelling a, your story through poetry and art. And uh, we have... One session, for example, where we talk about our names, and we we have the women say their name in their mind, in their heart, and and really go back to whose voice are you hearing? Is it your voice? Is it your mother's voice? Your father's voice? Your grandmother's voice? And and just taking them back through meditation to the very first time your name was even thought of. Like, what is my name, your name going to be? And it, that thought in your mother, or your father, or your grandmother. And imagine them with a little, like a curve of a smile and their their idea of who you will be and, and, and understanding that that moment came with a vibration of love. 
and that love vibration is part of your name. You know, you, you may have a name that is, uh, you're named after an ancestor or you're named after an idea of love or, um, you know, courageous or, you know, so there's so many definitions for or reasons why names are picked, but all names, when you are named, carries the vibration of love. And so it's like reprogramming ourselves to whenever you hear someone say your name or you think about your own name, that love, that love vibration is there. And that is enough. That is enough for us to know that we matter. And we exist. Uh, Yes. And we exist and we're important. And, and we have presence and impact in the spaces that we are and and especially where 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 they are uh, incarcerated women they still have you know we it never ceases to exist our presence and our uh ability to to heal ourselves and people around us because we are loved and we are loved um so, I mean, that's kind of the essence of that. That's, that's wonderful. Um, yeah. I really want to thank both of you for today and bringing so much um, history and also um, just sharing um, all the wonderful um, history that you've done for the community. And on behalf of Healthcare Untold, you're one of our Healthcare Untold heroes for bringing love, memories of your ancestors and bringing wellness to so many in our communities. And when you think about the future of, of the artwork and you've gone into the third dimension in terms of uh, bringing so much love and attention to our communities. And during this time of COVID-19 and how so many Latinos are impacted by, by this and we've lost many Latinos throughout the country due to this pandemic, um, I just want to thank both of you for the remembrance and also for all the love and um, uh, and all the art that you bring to uh, help heal our communities through these tough times. I just wanted to see if there was any last comments um, both of you would like to make and maybe Doña Feria could start. Well, I, I just want to thank you for letting us, uh, um, allowing us to just talk a little bit about uh, the work that we do and our story. Uh, I think it is really a time, if anything, a time now to not only to come together with our, uh, spiritually with our families, but, uh, but with each other. Uh, it, I think one of the things about ofrendas, uh, and it doesn't matter if it's for the other workers, it could be any time that you want to build one in your home or share it with someone else. It's about coming together and... and uh, Acknowledging the the beauty in our life and acknowledging each other, and uh, I get the somebody has asked me how does a friend have to look. I I don't give that kind of uh, of parameters because a small curbside altar for someone gave up their life with a candle and a flower, and and the has the same significance, the same intention as these big uh, altars that we do in public. 
that intentions is what matters and that we all matter and to honor each other or other individuals. It just makes it, I think, an ambience of, of grounding us to who we are, that we are a spiritual, uh, caring people. And hopefully, you know, people are becoming more aware of the other mortals, but it's the ofrenda, the crux of it, that is the thing to carry on and to look at and to pass it on and share. Gracias, Doña Ophelia. And how about you, Rosana? Well, I, I want to echo that and, and also uh, to share about the other program that we do with Alliance for California Traditional Art is Building Healthy Communities and uh, in Boyle Heights. And we recently were a group of artists that are part of this uh, work that's, you know, working on policy and all that. But the, the artists um, created program called La Cultura Cura, you know, that's that's a, a word in the Chicano community that we use all the time because it's true and it's real and it's powerful. Our culture cures. Yes. And, and uh, so we had five sessions. One of them was um, Arte Tradiciones, you know, bringing the ancestors into the story, to our story. Um, the other one is Las Plantas Curan, you know, and talking about the remedios that we learned from our ancestors and how we have the medicine, we have the wisdom to bring healing, not only to our, ourselves, but to this time of COVID-19. You know, my sister is a, is a chiropractor and herbalist, but she is healing people with herbs, you know, with her medicine. And, um, I, you know, that's amazing. We also did one on uh, called El Reboso de Bienestar. And, you know, bringing that, that idea of the reboso, the mother, you know, that uh, cradles their child, you know, to carry uh, their child while they're working on, you know, cooking or outside and and that that hug that closeness to the mother is is everything right it's the heartbeat of of our familiarity with our moms and so you know talking about that and the last one was oh we also did one on the lgbtq um community and how how love is love and and being part of that revoso, there's no one outside of it, right? Mm -hmm. And the last one was the A Nueva Cancion. And so we did a collective song based on everything that we learned with uh, Vanessa, Vanessa Calderon. And we wrote a song to culminate it. And I'll share that with you maybe on another uh, session, but it's really, really beautiful. And I'm so grateful that you gave us the time to yes, be with Rosanna. you, Barbara. And let to have the song because we can use it on the podcast. We'll put it at the beginning and at the end so we can share that with everyone. 
And yes, so, yeah, yes. that'd be great. And I yes. look forward to uh, doing other podcasts with both of you. And so on behalf of Healthcare Untold, and I want to again thank Ophelia Esparza and Rosana Esparza for being some of our national treasures. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for today. I really appreciate all of your time. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much.